Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Advice Around the World, co-hosted, as always, by me, Ian Horn, and the fantastic Amelia Garland. Today, we're recording our first episode on the continent of Africa, where we're speaking to Gugu Sadaki, founder of Wealth Creed in South Africa. So, Gugu, welcome to Advice Around the World. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So we are going to begin, as always, with our favorite opening question. Imagine you're at a dinner party and the person next to you has asked you to tell them something interesting about yourself, but it can't be related to financial advice. Now, what would you tell them? Um, well, super. I, I love that question. Um, there is something I am super passionate about, and that's food. I, I absolutely love food. I love absolutely everything about food. Um, I, I used to have a food blog once upon a time, um, and I used to have a little coffee shop because I love cake and, and coffee so much. And um, I now grow my own vegetables, my own fruit and vegetables. I've got a little um, veggie patch here in my, in my home. Um, purely because it, it, it comes from the love of food. I love thinking about it. I love talking about it. I love preparing it. I love shopping for food. And, and most importantly, I, I enjoy eating it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can agree with that fully. I mean, that's really interesting then that you had your own shop. What, what was that like? It was pretty intense because I, I was I was working full time and I had somebody sort of managing it um, while I was at work. And then as soon as I knocked off, I'd, I'd go there and, you know, take over from where they, they left off. And then after that, I, I'd have to go home and, and bake all the all the treats and, and prepare for the next day. So it was it was a lot. I did it for about eight months and it was probably the most intense eight months of my life. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I would, I would have been a customer, I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Cool. And, and what are you growing at the moment? Everything. <laughs> um, I've got spinach, I've got peppers, um, I've got two types of spinach, actually. Um, I've got beans, um, blueberries, cranberries, strawberries, herbs, uh, bananas. I've got a banana tree. It hasn't um, borne any fruit yet. I've got a papaya tree. I've got onions. I mean, I can go on. It's, I've got a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, look, Gugu, um, I'm going to have to ask you some some financial planning questions now. Um, <laughs> I love that stuff. I could talk about cake and coffee all day. Trust mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah. But I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with quite a strong question actually, because um, kind of atypically. Uh, for a financial planner, your your client base at Wealth, Wealth Creed it is yeah. primarily black women. It's not something we see often in advice. Um, yeah. So, you know, broad question, but but what inspired you to do that? Uh, and, you know, what have you learned from the experience of, of working with that kind of client base? Yeah. Well, I, I started out in stockbroking and um, the, the typical client was male um, and, and white. Uh, and when I made the transition from stockbroking to wealth management, um, the, the profile didn't really change much. Um, I've been a wealth manager for, for well over 10 years now, and um, I've, I've dealt with a lot of the same kind of individual. Um, being black and female, I've, I've always wondered what other black women were doing with their money. Um, and so I, I met my business partner who was sort of going through the same kind of thought process. And we were at a point in our lives where we wanted to start doing work and business very differently. So we got talking and one thing led to another. And before we knew it, we were both quitting our jobs and talking about Wealth Creed and, and the kind of client base that we wanted to service. 
Um, if you look at financial services in this country, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's the same around the world, it is a lot of the same kind of clients that walk through our doors. And, and interestingly, the interesting thing in South Africa is that um, the bulk of the population is actually black and, and half of that population or just a little bit over half of that population is, is female. So for us, it made sense being black and female and dealing, knowing many black women and, and understanding the landscape um, of South Africa that, you know, we needed to start a, a business that would speak to the, the majority um, of, of the population in the country. And we, we wanted to, to sort of change the face of money for them. Um, because we, we are also um, in, in the minority, so there aren't a lot of Black um, female financial advisors, and naturally you wouldn't come across many Black and, and female clients. So we wanted to change that entire um, sort of spectrum and that entire um, um, interface for, for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, does this change the planning process at all? Is that, you know, do you approach financial planning differently for, for Black women than you, you would for your typical, you know, it's not being funny, but your typical yeah. market in the UK is, is older white folk? Yeah, it, it is slightly different in that we, we, we have context um, being Black and female. So I, I fully understand and appreciate uh, where a Black woman would come from or what her insecurities would be when it comes to, to money and the investment world. So when when we approach clients, when we talk to clients, it's with that understanding. It's It's women are are now making a lot more money than than, than ever before um, and they have very few options in terms of what they can do with their money you know um, and so we we are providing firstly we're providing um, education and information and then from there we we then have the the investment discussion and the financial planning discussion and it's it's yeah so so I think in that sense you would say it's a little different in that we the angle and the approach is slightly different it starts with financial literacy and financial um, education Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the actual planning. How important is the financial education piece of it? And especially focusing on that niche, are there any other firms in South Africa that that do that? Um, because that is such a large group um, of people. And yeah. is it a competitive space? Yeah, I, I honestly believe that not it, people aren't doing enough of it. Um, in, in my opinion, every single um, advice business should actually be engaging in um, financial education. Um, I, I, I don't think it's competitive at all. And in fact, I think we're one of the few um, businesses who actually prioritize it. What inspired you to get into financial advice in the first place? And um, did, is it something you always wanted to do? Or uh, were there any challenges in particular along the way to get to, get to where you are at WealthGreed? Yeah, I initially wanted to be a policymaker. So I started, I studied economics and thought I wanted to be in government and and sort of make my mark there. Um, but as, as luck would have it, my life changed completely. When I, when I got to university, I got introduced to investment management and I fell in love with it. Um, so after completing my, my economics degree, I decided to major um, postgraduate in, in, in investment management. And so I landed up um, sort of very randomly in stockbroking. It wasn't a direct path. But um, when I joined this particular firm um, a little while ago as a stockbroker, I fell in love with the industry, absolutely and wholeheartedly. Um, And and a few years later, I got a nudge from from my then boss, um, who was running the wealth management team. And she kind of suggested that I I join her her team, her wealth management team. And it's something I hadn't really thought about. And quite honestly, I didn't really know much about wealth management and financial planning um, until I actually landed that role. 
And a few years in, it, it became a very big passion of mine. Um, I, I fell in love with the work. I fell in love with um, the fact that we were making such a big difference in people's lives. And, and, and interestingly, it's, it's something that I didn't, I, I knew very little about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how I landed there. Mm-hmm. And Gugu, like specifically, you know, what is it that you, that you love about the job? What are the things that really, you know, excite you about what you do? Yeah, I think um, it, it, it's a slow business. Um, it takes a while for us to actually start seeing the rewards or for clients to start experiencing the rewards of the work that we do. But once it starts happening, um, now that I've been doing this for, for well over 10 years, I now get to see uh, the tangible effect of the work that we that we do. And, and it's hugely, hugely rewarding. And I've had a number of clients who come up to me and, and you know, have thanked me for, for the work that I've done for them. And, and you know, at the time when you're, when you're putting plans together in place for people and when you um, are, are constructing sort of um, financial plans for people, it, it, it always seems, we're always projecting for, you know, the future for 10 years from now, for 20 years from now, when you actually hit, when clients actually hit those milestones and they actually start achieving or ticking off um, some of those things that you, that we planned for, it's, it's hugely rewarding. Um, and I, I like to equate, I know a lot of people do, I like to equate the, the work that we do to, to medicine. You know, it, it's, it's vital. It, it is really, it, it affects absolutely every aspect of a client's life. And, and when you start doing things right, and when you start seeing things come right for a client in terms of their money, I, I think there is no greater feeling as, as a financial advisor. Yeah, I think that, that's that's a really good way to put it. Um, and certainly in the UK and the US, uh, we've seen a huge amount of evolution in how financial planning is carried out. Uh, and also the rest of the world. I mean, some of our earlier episodes, you know, dig into other markets that are going on their own kind of financial planning journey. But I guess my question for that is, is what does what is financial planning to you? You know, because it's mm. kind of in, in a lot of countries, it's still a kind of sales based thing. Mm. Um, mm. That's not the case everywhere. So, so what, what, mm. what is financial planning in your eyes? For me, I, I think we are selling uh, two things. It's, it's peace of mind, firstly, and, and secondly is freedom. Um, I, I, I always, whenever we, we put plans together for clients and we give them the context that they, they absolutely didn't know that they needed, um, and they knew nothing about, um, you know, I, I love seeing, it's almost like a light bulb that goes on and you, know, you see it on a client's face when you, when you talk them through, you know, the work that we do and ultimately what we're trying to achieve. Um, and for me, what, what, how I always end uh, sort of an introductory meeting with a client is that ultimately I, I don't have anything tangible that I'm selling, mm. um, but all, all it is, 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 a, is a pathway or a roadmap to 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 freedom and ultimately peace of mind, and 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 I think that's what financial planning is to me. It's it's those two things: we're selling peace of mind and we're selling financial and, and freedom. And that's that's a beautiful beautiful way to put it. Um, now, can we dive a bit into just the, the South African market in in general? And you mentioned earlier about the financial education piece and how a lot of firms lack that, um, but. Can clients overall expect a high quality of advice or is it not so straightforward? Well, uh, it's not so straightforward. Um, I think I can give you very general statistics. There are approximately 100,000 financial advisors, if you will. Um, And about 5% of, of those are are CFPs, um, not to say that the, the, the rest aren't suitably qualified or experienced, 
But when it comes to um, professionalizing the industry, there's a very small um, percentage of people who actually hold that designation. Um, there is quite a, a history, and, and I think it's, it's a global issue, it's not just a South African issue, but there is a, a history of, of poor advice. Um, there, there are a, lo a lot of dodgy individuals out there who are taking people for a ride and, 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 and literally stealing people's money. Uh, wow. Purely because um, the, the, there's, there, there is, and I'll speak for, for the predominantly black, um, uh, what is this, population, is that um, there's a lack of information, there's a lack of financial education. And so people don't know what they don't know. You know, you, you'll meet an individual who, who claim to be a financial advisor who claim to, you know, uh, to be doing the best for a client when when they're actually doing the exact opposite. And there's a lot of that, and and so people have been burned quite a lot, you know, by by unscrupulous individuals who are just here to to make a quick buck. So there is a lot of that, but I I do, I think with social media, and and with the advent of technology and and information being at at our fingertips. I'm slowly starting to, because I'm quite active on, on Twitter and, and Facebook, I'm slowly starting to see a, a change in how people perceive the industry. It's slow, it's, it's still quite small, but it's slowly starting to happen. The right things are starting to happen and people are now understanding that, you know, you, you have to do a little bit more, more work before you actually um, commit your funds or give your money to, to just anybody, mm -hmm. you know have to do the research you have to understand who this person is and what their qualifications are and what it is that they do um long before you give them your money so i think there is a shift there is a change but it is it's it's, it's still quite slow mm -hmm. and is i mean being on twitter facebook these outlets is that a way you can interact and meet with other financial planners like yourself or i see you're also a member of the financial planning institute of southern africa is that is that an area or a place where you can, you know, look to find people that help serve clients in the way you do at WealthCreed? So it's, I don't, I don't use um, social media for, for that purpose. And as a result, I don't generally tend to meet a lot of people who do what I do. Um, but what I do um, see is, is a lot of individuals who, who share information and oftentimes give financial advice without actually being aware that they are giving financial advice. Um, they'll, they'll advise people to, you know, to purchase property because interest rates are favorable. They'll advise people to, to get into Forex because their uncle's cousin's friend made a quick buck. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of misinformation on social media. So for me, it's more to understand the landscape. It's more to understand the potential clients that we're going to be dealing with and the kind of questions they're going to be coming to, to us with because this is the information that's available to them on social media. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, a broader point there, isn't there? I mean, people don't know if they, you know, they don't know what questions to ask. They don't know much about mm. finance. And, and mm. you know, certainly in the UK, and it sounds like you're describing a similar, you know, situation in South Africa. Um, if people aren't in moving in the right circles, they'll, they'll never know about financial planning um, or investment management, at least not credible stuff. Um, yeah. so what do you think needs to be done to kind of make people more aware I mean and another thing is I mean I know you've done some financial literacy stuff for kids as well I know you've written some some books yeah. um so if you could tell us a bit about that as well that would be great yeah I I personally think um financial education financial literacy should be prioritized um at, at government level um I, the the bulk of the population um of, of of the children of this country go to public schools and to me it would make sense to start there 
um, and then of all the children that we've missed, um, I think I think it would make sense for us to get onto national television um, channels, where most people actually watch um, and and sort of further the cause of financial education, financial literacy there, because. Um, Everybody, um, every man and his dog really has has a television and most people have have smartphones and it, it would be quite a quick and easy fix if it was prioritized, I think, from the top. Um, I Because I do this quite a lot, um, I see just how easy it is to put the information together and it's all available online. I mean, the stuff that I teach is, is not rocket science and I don't make it up. You know, uh, people could easily just Google, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's what you said earlier, people don't know what kind of questions to ask. So I think if you knew what kind of questions to ask, you'd simply get on on Google and find that information. And so when 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 I'm um, just to answer your question about my books. Um, oh, and it's raining now. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, there's a bit of thunder out there. Um, so when when we started Wealth Creed and when we started prioritizing um, the financial literacy sessions um, for our, our target base, I, as I said, I, I always see the light bulbs go on as you as 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 you can imagine at the end of every session, and, and it's so gratifying. And and all of these people that that we've hosted um, at these financial literacy sessions would then come up to me and say you know, th this has been valuable and I really wish, you know, uh, this information was available to my children. And and that comment kept coming and I, I, I started getting requests to to possibly extend this information to 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 children. And that's, that's honestly how the books came about. I, I have this information. I'm quite passionate about financial literacy and financial education. So it was quite easy to, to sort of distill this information to children's books in a way that children would understand. So I've written, it's a it's a series, it's a set of three books um, that takes children through the financial planning process, but in a very basic way. Um, so we, we get to understand, um, they get to understand about planning. So setting goals very basically in a way that they understand. They can understand that they have to budget, um, that money is compartmentalized for it to make sense and for it to work for you. So there's spending money there's money to share and then there's money for the future and money for the future needs to be invested. So you don't necessarily have to save every cent, commit every cent yourself towards the future. Um, you can commit a little bit where that money can start working for you. And, and that's literally how the books came about. I mean, that sounds great. And how do you, how do you get kids to engage with these books? Because again, mm -hmm. I, I think finance can come across quite stuffy, can't it? But make make yeah. it something that children will want to engage with. What do you do to make that kind of work? So initially, I, I started just selling the books and, and promoting the books um, in, on social media in a, in a way that I could. Um, and then I, I thought to, to actually do what I do for, for adults, to host classes. And um, so I, I started doing quite a lot of that. Um, there, I, I, I'd started hosting classes last year and then COVID-19 hit. But um, I'd hosted quite a number of classes where exactly the same inf information that's in the books, um, I started sort of creating a mini syllabus, if you will, mm -hmm. um, and, and taking children through through that material there. And it's, it's, it's been working, but the, the few classes that I've hosted have actually been quite, quite interesting. And the children have been enjoying them, actually. What are ways you think we can bring more women to the table, um, get more women in this profession? Again, I think it starts with financial education and financial literacy. I think we need to, to start firstly talking to children about money, um, getting them to understand what financial advice is. So um, I, I think it starts there. It, it firstly starts with the introduction to financial um, concepts. 
um, and 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 secondly, um, teaching children that this is a, a potential career path. Um, because, like I said, when when I, I when I joined stockbroking, I I had no idea that this this world existed. This world of of, of wealth management and financial planning existed, and I was in the industry. You know, I knew very little about about this industry. What of the man on the street who has no access to to this industry at all? So I think I think we need to start talking to children at a very young age. I think we need to start talking to we need to start educating the general public about about the various aspects of of finance and and about this one in particular and and promoting it as a potential career path for them. And I think that's the only way that we really. Um, are going to be able to attract uh, the, the number of women that, that we'd like to attract in the industry. I've got another question as well, completely different tangent. Um, and this, is, this relates to the interview you had with our new model advisor publication earlier this year. Um, you mentioned, I mean, going back to the South African planning market, you mentioned that funeral planning has quite an important role, um, which is morbid, but really interesting. So could you, could you elaborate on that, please? So financial Funeral policies, sorry, have quite a high penetration rate, and particularly amongst um, Black Africans um, in South Africa. And it's, I, I, I don't have the actual story for you of how that came about, but I, I do believe it is cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, we, there's a lot of emphasis and there's a lot of reverence and importance that's placed on sort of afterlife and on ancestors. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think as, as a result of that, there's, there's quite a big... Um, emphasis that's placed on the final rights of, of an individual as a way to connect um, sort of to, to the an- ancestral world, if you will. So I, I believe that um, Black people, in particular Africans, take um, funerals quite quite seriously and, and prioritize them quite a bit when it comes to their finances um, in order to, to afford um, a decent burial to their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, I mean, you, you'll meet, you'll meet um, people from all walks of life, um, whether they have money or whether they don't. But one thing that they definitely do have is, is a funeral policy um, that, that caters to, um, you know, whether it's, it's catering or whether it's, it's, it's a casket, um, you know, wh- whatever the case is, they, they, there's, there's some money that they're contributing towards a funeral policy that, that's going to afford them a decent burial. Yeah, it's no, such a yeah, subject, but it's it's such an easy entry with, uh, and we see it a lot with with the people that we interact with, and that, you know, if if you struggle to get investment concepts across to an individual, a, a quick and easy in is through a funeral policy, and then that that'll sort of lead to to a more broader discussion around investments. Yeah, I just find that fascinating because um, there's all sorts of ways people find clients, right? Um, and, and there's traditional places people would go to network and so on. Yeah, or people yeah. might get in touch uh, during a certain life event when a will's written or when a uh, you know a mortgage yeah. is, is is carried out. So yeah. I think there's definitely something in there for people that are looking to attract more diverse clients to actually do some yeah. research. Um, yeah. I certainly think people wouldn't, wouldn't always think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, it's 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 a fascinating world. I think the world of finance in South Africa is 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 very interesting because there's so many dynamics there's so many moving parts um that you 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 literally can find a client anyway Mm -hmm. Um, you know because as as i said there isn't a large um 
sort of understanding or an acceptance when it comes to to financial advice and so yeah it's 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 interest it's an interesting avenue well on that very fascinating note that is unfortunately um all we have time for for this episode but before we go we do have our final question and this is something that we ask all of our podcast interviewees so we have the international financial planning community listening gugu and you get mm-hmm. to offer one piece of advice for them on how to be better planners or run better businesses now what advice would you share that's no pressure there <laughs> big question no one else um i think i'll i'll go back to 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 my passion um i think for us to to be able to make a huge mark in 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 the work that we do because the work that we do is really important but i i feel we're not we're not reaching enough people um i think i think a way for us to do that in an effective way is to start with our the youngest population um in in our various countries um to think of ways as the funder again um think of ways of 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 attracting or of of talking to the youngest person in in the room and if if the youngest person in the room is an adult um ask them if if they have access to an even younger person and and figure out ways of of talking to them about the work that we do and i i really think that that's that's a way for us to to leave a very big mark um as an industry Mm-hmm. and and it's something that i'm hugely passionate about yeah absolutely and and before i wrap up gugu your your books for kids the, the nala series um are they do they ship internationally can people get hold of those uh yes they do so they are available on amazon mm-hmm. they're available on amazon so you just look up um either my name or 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 the title of the box and 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 you'll be able to to find them there great stuff all right well that is gugu unfortunately all we have time for but but thank you for being such a great guest mm-hmm. and uh, and thank, thank you. you also for the insights into the south african advice market uh, and more and for everyone who's listened thank you for sticking with us and we'll be back shortly with episode 9 goodbye